When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty. A minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into the air back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. There is a sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant, et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. It's gonna be sick. Marinero on this Wednesday night. It is uh, one minute past 10 o'clock. How is everyone doing today? I hope you're doing pretty good. Uh, usually Marc-Andre Perot joins us on Wednesday nights, and it's actually going to be the case as uh, he will be joining us. Uh, I don't see him just yet. And uh, Sammy and Yellow on Master Control, uh, text him the link. That could be it because sometimes these links, these emails, they go into spam. You know, so I think you're going to have to text him on his cell phone. I think that's the way to do it. Uh, in the meantime, it'll be a pleasure for me to talk to you about the sick podcast brought to you by uh, La Bit ATB, um, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bit ATB offers quality microbrewery beers with uh, premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bit ATB, embrace your true nature. As a matter of fact, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to try and get them more in the... Uh, in the camera here so you can see that look at that look at that look at that look 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 at that huh you can see them even more now like this right it's even better like this huh even better like this all right okay i'm not gonna push it anymore because it's gonna end up falling off of the uh off of the table is what's gonna happen all right okay look it's better now uh it's also brought to you in part by uh um energy transportation group uh, who have recently been named by Deloitte and CIBC as one of Canada's best managed companies, uh, the country's leading business award, recognizing uh, innovative and world-class companies, the best managed Canadian companies, designation uh, fuels uh, energy's purpose 
of creating progress for their customers, their employees, and for communities, of course. Join a winning team. Check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. I've been telling you about them for a while, that this is a winning team. And uh, if you're thinking about a career, Energy Transportation Group, absolutely unbelievable. So brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group and brought to you in part by La Bitte TV. That's uh, brewed in Quebec, winner of a dozen international awards. You have to embrace your true nature with them. Uh, quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients and also brought to you in part by excel moto premier motorcycle and scooter dealership in montreal for over 20 years in my opinion the place in montreal to buy your vespa scooter Uh, it's your ultimate destination your best customer service Uh, they carry seven different motorcycle and scooter brands and they're the number one aprilia and piaggio ambassadors for the last five years in north america i've been told ahead of uh miami dealership in miami uh just imagine how good they are here at ExcelMoto, ExcelMoto.com, 5480 Paré. Check them out. And the, the number to call is 738-6686. Anyway, uh, they're closed right now. It's 10.04 on a Wednesday night. But bookmark their website, ExcelMoto.com. And uh, you can you can actually, if you pick up a scooter between now and the end of June, uh, they're throwing in a helmet of a certain value. So give them a call. Talk to the representatives. Talk to Ali or talk to Vito. They're really going to take care of you. Uh, good guys. Good guys. Uh, speaking of good guys, Marc-Andre Perot, I told you, is a regular every Wednesday night, and he joins me right now. What's going on with you? How are you, my friend? I'm home. I, I'm, I'm, doing, uh, I'm doing your home with the kids. Yeah, leaving tomorrow for Vegas. So. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Yeah. When did you tomorrow get home? Afternoon. Uh, I took the red eye after the game on Sunday. So I got in Montreal at like 7.30-ish in the morning and then picked up the kid, came yeah. to get, you know, so, yeah. All right, all okay. Good, man. All Life right. is yeah, good. No, it is. All right, yeah. And tomorrow you're flying out at what time, you said? Uh, I think it's 12.30 or 1 o'clock. All right, okay. Yeah, that's Through that's Denver. Good. And, yeah, it's going to be nice. Nice series ahead. Well, it's not what we expected. Nice hopefully, series. we'll have some good hockey. Nice series because uh, there's a lot of surprises. It's not what we would have put down in our NHL pool, no, uh, in our not. bracket. We but, all look uh, bad now. The uh, I didn't like this. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't like the second round of the playoffs. I really didn't. Mm, well, no, it was not. No, it was which not series a was good? Which series was good? Well, I guess Dallas, Seattle. I guess. Okay. Uh, I was. I was kind of disappointed by uh, Edmonton, Vegas. It was like that. Yeah. And I, I I really thought I, I, I'm really still wondering what is going on with the Oilers. I, I, it's a wasted opportunity. It's second year in a row. Those opportunities do not come back. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I mean, well, we're going to find out uh, in about 25 minutes time, because after you, I'm going to go to uh, Jason Greger, um, you know, who's a you know contributor to uh, the daily face off, of course, and dailyfaceoff.com. And they have a podcast as well. And, and uh, he's got his own show, of course, uh, in Edmonton on the all sports radio station. And we're going to find out, we're going to talk to him. Obviously he's very, very close to the situation. Can't wait. Can't we wait heard to, from uh, Conor McGregor listen. and uh, Conor McGregor. We heard from Conor McDavid. Conor McGregor. Where'd that come from? We heard from Conor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl earlier. Uh, uh, obviously, and you know, Ken Holland saying that you know the group is devastated. So, uh, 
Look, I I'm gonna save this for for Jason, but I'll, I'll just say yeah. this. I'll, you know, I'll talk Oilers with Jason. We'll talk other things, you and I. But I'll just say this: I was never high on the Oilers bandwagon. I, I don't think they're a very complete team. I think they have way too many holes, and they rely on just a couple of players too much. I I, I mean, it's it's tough not to rely rely on the two best players, but I mean. I mean, Stuart Skinner is a good guy. I think he has, he's got a bright future. But when you're, well, I mean, it, four times that, you know, he, he's been, how do you say that? game. Yeah, yeah, he was pulled. He was pulled four times. I mean, how can you hope anything good when you're pulling your goalie four times? in, in, in one single playoff season? So it, it means you just lost a series. That's what it means. You're not going to win it. Your goalie gets pulled four times in one series. You're losing the series. I mean, Skinner, I mean, Campbell started as your first goalie. You, you, you know, you paid the big big bucks to get him five times five. Then Skinner is good enough to take the lead, and then he's pulled. It's 3 nothing, and then they win the game. Why are you going back with Skinner? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can't wait to listen what uh, Jason has to say. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to it too. Yeah. Hey, um, not so sure that you saw this, but um, there were a list of uh, Elliot Freeman told us uh, on 32 Thoughts that there were about 10 to 12 candidates for the uh, the GM job with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes, um, that would be going through interviews, and Mark Bergevin uh, yeah. took part in the first phase of interviews. Yeah. And then, did you hear his most recent report? I did not. Well, someone tweeted about it. Let's bring up the tweets. So Friedman named several candidates the Pens interviewed for the GM position on 32 Thoughts. Jason Botterill, Jason Carmanos, Matthew Darsh, uh, Steve Greeley, Dan McKinnon, Kate Madigan, Megan Duggan, Eric Tulski, Peter Chiarelli, Mark Bergevin, Sam Ventura, and Cam Lawrence. He adds the Pens are entering phase two of the interviews, and the names he's hearing are Cheka, Darsh, McKinnon, Tulski, and either Greeley or Carmanos. Does that yeah. mean Mark Bergevin is out? Uh, looks like I'm surprised because Mark is a good GM. I mean, there's no question he's a good GM. So I'm 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 pretty surprised. But yeah, I don't know. You know that comment ball. you just made, and I love the fact that you're opinionated. That comment that you just made, a, a very, very, very innocent remark that Mark Bergevin is a good general manager, and his only experience as a general manager was with the Montreal Canadiens for nine and a half years, because before that, obviously, he was an assistant GM with the Chicago Blackhawks, but he had held different positions as well. But he had one GM job in the National Hockey League, and I bet you right now, on YouTube Live, on Facebook Live, and on Twitter Live, there's a lot of people that disagree. They have the right to, but, I mean, he's won the most, you know, most part of his trades, he I mean, he made mistakes like every GM makes mistakes. But hey, what is experience? What's the purpose of experience? <laughs> so, but he, he was a good GM. I think he just the last years he kind of was overwhelmed by everything, the pressure, the the the, the you know, I think pressure did a lot. To Marc Bergevin, but no, I think he's still a very, very good GM. I think he's a good yeah. hockey mind. Yeah, 
It's very but, unfortunate the way things ended. You know, Mark Bergevin came in as one of the most likable general managers the Canadians have had in a long time. Um, something happened. I, I don't and, know if it took things too personal or I don't know. Yeah, but you know, like what was there to take personal? He lasted as general manager of the Montreal Canadiens for nine and a half years. Nine and a half years. It's a century. Now, I, now let, let me let me get this out of the way, okay? Yeah. I like Mark Bergevin a lot. I I got to know him a little bit. Uh, whenever broke bread together, whenever I had wine together, whenever I had a meal together. But you know, we had some conversations. Uh, you know, we had some interviews, and um, and um, he was very cooperative all the time during the interviews. Um, I took a liking to him. I I, I think he um, was very generous with his answers. That's usually a sign of of respect, which was good. Um, if he took some things personal from members of the media, he, I don't think the media was overly bad with him. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, our buddy Brendan Kelly of the Montreal Gazette and what the puck took it to Mark Bergevin for about nine and a half years. Yes. But was the Journal de Montreal bad with Mark Bergevin? Was La Presse bad with Mark Bergevin? Either no. than Brendan Kelly, were the articles in the Gazette bad on Mark Bergevin? Were the radio stations in Montreal bad on Mark Bergevin? Were the TV stations covering sports and covering the Canadians bad for Mark Bergevin? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, again, I, I think he mentioned at some point that, you know, it was just too much or whatever. But it, I mean, it was a lot of pressure. Like the expectations are yeah. so high in Montreal. So probably that, you know, you make, you sign a contract and then everybody say it's a bad contract. Now you maybe you're second guessing yourself and you take it personal or I don't know. But the true, true story is that. The Montreal press and the fans were not hard on Marc Bergevin. Something happened. I mean, you know, sometimes it just it was just time to move on. I think that's the case. But still, he's a great GM. Like, yeah, he gave some bad contracts, but he also gave like very good contracts to the team, good trades. So maybe you know, great, yeah, great, it's great, all about great is a, uh, okay. So great is a big word. And I don't, I don't want to lack any respect to him, but great's a big word. Great what? He's a great GM. Great is a big word. That's a big word to use. It usually okay. gets associated with general managers that uh, have teams okay, that win Stanley Cups. Well, let's say then he's a very good GM. But, you know, yeah. what's, what's the difference between not winning the Stanley Cup and winning the Stanley Cup when you're playing the final? When Kreider, isn't it like nine years ago, like today, that, that happened? I, Montreal could have win the Stanley Cup so that it's a fine line between so when you when you win a, a cup now you can say you're a great GM but before that you can't I don't know well it's not I mean uh, no I don't agree with that it's it, it's such a fine line it, it is, it is I, I think line. with 31 teams today you can't judge on the rings like it okay. was the case before well, let's do this let's we're gonna have fun now okay okay name me um david Poyle. give me give, give me three great gms great gms yeah oh, okay well david Poyle did a great job okay 
Iserman, well, Julien Brisebois, obviously. Okay. Jim Nell? Uh, yeah. Stan yeah, Well, depends on what grade is. That's, you know, that's the, that's the question. But let, know, the let's reason, see. The reason why I ask is is, is now, so we, we threw out three, four, five names, all right? Yeah. And so if they're great GMs and Mark Bergevin is a great GM, then he's in that category. That's why I say like great is, is, is a big word, but I think Bergevin, look, I, I think he obviously did some great things. He did some average things. He did some not so great things. He had some great years, not so great years. I think his ev player evaluation skills are very, very high, very, very big, very, very strong, very, very good. And when he made individual trades, and unfortunately, the ball was dropped on trading Sergachev for Joy. But as Mark Bergevin once told me, Tony, if you want me to bat for a thousand, I'm not going to bat for a thousand, and I'll take that. Obviously. Okay, I'll I'll take that. So I think he's he's great at evaluating talent and making trades. Like he won, I think, like a vast majority of his trades. I believe he won them. The problem was the assembling of a team and managing the people in order to keep a team together. When he didn't get his number that he wanted in a contract negotiation, the negotiations went sour, the relationships went sour, and usually the player was gone. It happened well, with Radulov. It happened with Pacioretty. It happened with Dano. It happened with well, Markov. Now, in Pacioretty's case, at least the Canadians got a number one centerman back. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's I, that's. Let's not put Pacioretty in that in that same category because it it was more than that. So, but that yeah, Dano to me was like his his biggest mistake, you know. But I think it was just too emotional, maybe. But it's it. it I mean. That being said, it's not, you know, it's he, it's he one of his quality. He, he didn't want to manage Subban any longer. Right? Well, who wanted? You know, I mean, he, <laughs> you know, he traded him. It's not because uh, Nashville called him and offered Shea Weber. He was placing the phone calls. He yeah, was trying know, to trade P.K. Did, didn't he win that, that trade like, like hands off, hands out, you say? Um. It all depends which way you look at it. I mean, both players hey. ended up going to the Stanley Cup final. Both players did not win the St I think he won it. I'll tell you that. I think he won the trade. Okay. okay. But like like I said, it all depends on who you're asking and how you look at it, right? Both players went to the Stanley Cup final. Both players did not win the Stanley Cup. Both players retired early. Yeah, but it, again. Uh, but he lost a more entertaining player who um, who was a fan favorite. Okay, but you want a captain? You want a guy who was respected, who, you know, he was he he was an example for the kids, and you know it's gonna grow. To me, and I'll tell you this: I I love PK. Like he's been always very good with me, and but to me, it's it's not even close. So, but you want that trade? Like Gallagher's a bad yeah. contract. Uh, yeah, you know, but still. His the contracts he Travis Mullen got a lot of money. David Darney got a lot of money. Uh, Gallagher got a lot of money. Uh, Carey Price got a lot of money. 
Yeah, but Kerry would have got that money somewhere else. So. I don't know about that. He was the first oh. first GM to give a goalie ten and a half million dollars. Yeah, but but it was it was look. It's easier said than done to part ways with a goalie that had just come off a season where he won four individual awards, right? So now and and but now I'll tell you this: when it was time to put together a team that can take a run at it, for a team that never went through a rebuild, he went all in two years ago and he got that team to the Stanley Cup final, and for that he deserves a lot of credit. So I'll take a look yeah. at the good. I'll take a look at the not so good. I'll take a look at the you know. Um, I, I still say he was a great GM. So, yeah, uh, he's he's a nice person. He just uh, I always got uh, along. Uh, he he just needed a change, I think, and good for I him. Always, I, I I mean, I, I hope. That, him. Good. I, I yeah, I, I hope that one day he'll be back as a GM. I think he deserves yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I, and I'd love to see him get another GM job in the National Hockey League as well. I I think that uh, I, I I think it's unfortunate that he cut ties with a lot of media, who I think were good to him. It's what he needed, I guess. Can't blame well, the guy. Well, I mean, it's. I mean, it's, I don't know. Sometimes it's, it's, it's just too much. I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's a big market. You know that. I, I know that. I know, but I'm saying when I say cut ties, I mean it, we're almost two years later. I mean, uh, he can start talking to people again. No. He has his reason, I guess. I, I mean, I, I don't yeah. talk to him, so I can't, I can't say. No, but... and I, neither do I. I'd love to talk to him to say, you know what? What ha what happened here? Like, uh, you know, like He look. doesn't want to talk about it. I'm sure about that. Yeah. He, he, no, just, Montreal... he just turned the page and it's, yeah. it's, it's over. He hey, doesn't listen. want to go back. Look, I don't know how he lasted nine and a half. Could you imagine lasting nine and a half years in Montreal with the expectations and the pressure? Like, it's very, like, the, like some, sometimes when I think of Carey Price's career with the Canadians, 15 years, the goalie of the Montreal Canadiens. Like, could you imagine how Can you imagine? training and, and difficult that wow. must be? Can you imagine in Toronto right now? In Toronto like, right now? It must in be in Montreal, you don't have the sun. You don't have, like, the critics are big, like, and it's, big mitch marner austin matthews they're they're taking like a very they're taking a beating uh it's it's i'm 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 sure it's worse toronto than montreal media wise i'm, I'm sure and i yeah. can tell you that edmonton is can be pretty hard <laughs> i haven't uh, i haven't talked to you since uh, toronto battle versus uh, the florida panthers um, what would you do? There's a lot of talk of, 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 you know, having to make a move in that market, whether it's firing Brendan Shanahan, whether it's uh, firing Kyle Dubas, whether it's firing Sheldon Keefe, whether it's trading a player of that core four, what would you do? I, I think you have no choice, but take a look at your, your, your core. I mean, there's some pattern that comes back every playoffs. And I don't know, like it's you can't expect the same results if you're playing the same way than you're playing in regular season. So, like it's it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. You see it in Toronto. You see it in Edmonton. We saw. I mean, I know it was like way closer, but you saw with Boston. It is not yeah. the same ball game. It's not the same. So if you have Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, who's great players, probably great person as well, but it's not guys. They, they, they don't. 
you know, I was covering Edmonton last series and I was like, Edmonton, they have the possibility to take the decision to win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And then I, I recall that, uh, you know, that story when uh, the Islanders did beat the Oilers like early 80s. And, you know, that story that Wayne Gretzky and the Oilers like went through the, 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 the hall and then they saw in the dressing room the guys of the Islanders like hurt and with pain and blah 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 yeah. you know and they realized they had to suffer to win the cup yeah I, I i think these guys do not want that that's that's what i think so uh 80 81 82 and 83 the new york Islanders won four consecutive stanley cups and then the edmonton orders came back and won it in, or the orders won in 84 85 87 they won it in uh 87 uh, did they win it in '88 as well? '88 is Calgary. No, no, uh, no Calgary is '89. Yeah, Canadians Montreal '86. Yeah. Uh, oh, it must have been. Must have been. Uh, orders won the orders. In, the orders won it in 1990 again. After. Okay. Did they not? But uh, I, I watched. Like, look at the lineup of the Oilers, and look at the lineup of. The Maple Leafs. Orders won in '88. They beat the Bruins. Yeah, they beat the Bruins in '88. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, you have like McDavid, Drysidle. They're somewhere yeah. else, but yeah, Zach Hyman, who's a great hockey player, he was hurt. Nugent Hopkins, I don't know. Uh, Evander Kane was hurt. Like compared to last year, I yeah. mean, he was invisible. Uh, you had like uh, Bjorn, uh, Bjugstad is not a bad hockey player. Yeah. Ekholm. CC nurse, he when he earns like too much money, but he's still a good D. Uh, Kulak was not bad, so I, I don't know. They, they have pretty nurse much, have much better, yeah. All I mean, Darnell Nurse's problem is that he makes 9.25, that's his biggest problem. I hear that's uh, yeah, I wish I had those problems. Same here, but yeah, yeah I mean, you know who, who signed that contract, yeah, by the way, yeah, can't you sign that contract? Smart guy. So yeah, but like give him five millions and no problem. You won't hear like no complaints. But just to say that they have a good lineup. Look at the Maple Leafs; they have a yeah. good lineup. So it's it, it's something yeah, else. Yeah, but you know, there's a difference between a regular season lineup and a, and, a, and a playoff lineup, which we'll discuss with Jason Greger in a couple of minutes here. Yeah, sorry. Before we do, don't worry about it. Uh, did you see? Um, did you see Lady Hudson's goal earlier today at the? World's I did not. Austria? I did not. I was in the pool with my son. Uh, I don't blame you, but uh, <laughs> I like to go in the pool too. But they win; they beat Austria by a score of four to three, uh, which is Otrish, uh, Yeah, you know, because uh, I'll, I'll always remember for the rest of my life that Austria is Otrish because um, oh, I was MC once an award ceremony. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, and it was uh, amateur soccer award ceremony. And uh, you know, recreational teams, and one team, every team had the name of a of a country, and okay. one team was Team Austria. But I was doing the emceeing in French, okay. And I said l'équipe de l'Austrie, and then the gentleman next to me said Autriche, <laughs> <laughs> l'Austrie. That's being bilingual. Oh my God! What an idiot! But anyway, he he kind of looked. The guy went around three or four guys like they weren't even there. And then he had to 
poke at it to take one hand on the stick, put one hand on the stick and took a poke at it and was able to score. He also had an assist. Um, man, this the kids oh, got too I old, told, man. The kids I, got too I told old, man. you, him and uh, Logan Mayu, uh, despite yeah. what uh, Simon Boisvert is telling you, I, I think those two are the real deal. Yeah, like the they, State believes he's overrated and uh, yeah, he did what he, he did in junior hockey because he's a 20-year-old. Yeah. But he turned well, 20 like less than a month ago. He actually did the entire season as a 19-year-old. I, I, I respect his opinion, but I I, I, I agree with me. <laughs> that yeah, I understand, that he, of course. But anyways, Lane Hudson like, last year, at the, it was not the rookie camp, but like yeah. the, whatever you call it, the camp. Development camp. He was somewhere else hands like vision skills he was like that but you know he's gonna grow up and he he is i mean like people can be excited about him you never know what can happen like there's a lot yeah speaking of excited a lot of people in uh, quebec probably getting excited last night uh, much to uh oh uh, arizona chagrin thinking you know what maybe there's a chance here but we also heard that houston was a front runner now earlier tonight we're hearing that the National Hockey League is whispering in people's ears saying, Arizona's not going anywhere, man. We're going to find a way. They're going to stay in Arizona. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. Like, I, I can tell you that the league, like, during second round, the worst case scenario was what's happening right now. So you, you put hockey, like, teams in TV market. Okay. Yeah. But these markets doesn't grow. So now And Arizona is considered one of those TV markets, correct? Fifth in the US. Fifth in the US for TV market. Yeah. And I know Ben wants to watch hockey in a place where it's 40 degrees all the time and uh, they don't even have ice in their freezers. I, I already told you the exact same thing on that podcast. It's it's a I mean it's nice wanting to grow the game. Don't forget the people who are already there. Don't lose them. Because if you lose them, you're going to lose a lot. There's been a lot of instability within their ownership group over the years. Uh, some relationships have gone sour. And you need a stable ownership group. You need to get involved at the grassroots level. You, get, you need to get involved with minor hockey. You need to revamp the area that you're going to be in. And their ownership group was never able to do that. And besides, Listen, like, Tony, they just, you know, they've been in a rebuild for 8,000 years. Like, at one point, you got to get out of it. Look, look what happened, what's happening right now in the queue in Quebec City. Yeah. Like, stop it with the, oh, there's not enough corporate, there's not enough this, there's not, a, oh, but there's passion. There's people that want, they want hockey. So, anyways, it, it, I just don't get it. And you know what? That's probably why I'm not millionaire and I don't own a hockey team, but I just don't get it. Like, keep on trying to go and market that at the end of the day, you don't really want them to succeed because the ratings are going to be bad. But who, like, go ask, like, uh, Rogers, Sportsnet, and TV Aspog if they're, they're happy with the, the final four. Like, really? Like, is it good for the game? Tell me that Dallas, Vegas, Florida, Carolina is good for hockey. It is not. 
All right. I want to read this to you before we go um, from Xavier A. Gutierrez, president and CEO of the Arizona Coyotes. To our PAC, while we are very disappointed Tempe voters did not approve the proposed entertainment district, we want to thank all of our loyal fans who supported the Coyotes over the years. Your loyalty is what makes our PAC strong. During the 23-24 season, the Arizona Coyotes will play at Mullet Arena. That's their uh, 5,000-seat arena, by the way. In addition, we remain committed to Arizona and have already started re-engaging with local officials and sites to solidify a new permanent home in the Valley. We look forward to sharing more with you in the coming weeks. Um, I I find this... um, Look, it's not fun to lose a franchise, um, but... The NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball would be a lot less patient with Arizona than the National Hockey League has been. I mean, this is just, uh, we're on chance number, uh, you know, 823 now. The day they will lose real hockey fans, passionate, because they're tired of that crap, they're going to have a bigger problem. But who am I? Give me your predictions, final four. Who do you got in how many games? Uh, I'm going to go why? Vegas. And why? Vegas 6 or 7 because I watch them and you kind of fall in love with the team you're covering because you see the good things. You see them winning. So yeah. I, I know Dallas is good, but I'll, I'll go with Vegas 6 or 7 because they're very, like, very complete and uh, can't go against Florida. I just can't. They're wow. on a roll. They're playing like, like fu hockey, and so I know, I know it's probably like total no, no. Closet. But I mean that. Look, any prediction at this point is a good prediction, right? Let's so let's be honest yeah. here. But you know, I you, you wonder how much gas Dallas has left in the tank. All right, enjoy yourself, and you and I will talk soon. Be well. Hopefully, my friend. All right, there uh, you say have hi it. to everyone. I will. Mac, it's done. Marc-André Perrault of TVA Sport. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And I bring in my buddy. Uh, we used to work for the same company back in the day. Uh, he's still there. And he hosts his own show on uh, 1260 out of Edmonton. And he's part of Daily Faceoff. Dailyfaceoff.com and the podcast and the website and all that stuff. Jason Greger, what's going on? Tone, what's happening, man? My God, you look younger every time I see you. <laughs> Hey, you know what? Uh, healthy like, living, Tony. Healthy living. Uh, vodka a day. Yeah, I like the background, by the way. It's a nice setup. You can tell that you have experience in podcasting, by the way. You can just tell. I just take a look at the background, and I know I see it right away. You know what I mean? Oh, well, there you Thank you. My uh, my wife uh, helped build that, so I, I think she designed it. I got to give her she, all the credit. She, my friend, is a keeper. Yes, she very much is. Hey, um, a lot of people have been saying that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are keepers as well generational players, franchise players, probably the two best players in the game. It's pretty amazing when Connor McDavid said earlier in these playoffs that uh, on, on some nights, Leon Dreisaitl is the best player in the world. And you know what? He wasn't kidding. He's right. But unfortunately for them, they were eliminated. They were eliminated versus the Vegas Golden Knights. So before we find out why they were eliminated and get your thoughts on what they had to say in their exit interviews, I'll ask you this. Did you think they were going to be Vegas? Yeah, I thought they would be Vegas, to be honest. Um, and 
you know, like after four games, it was it was a very odd series because both teams had kicked the hell out of the other team in, in two games. Edmonton dominated games yeah. two and four, and Vegas spanked them in games one and three. And then if you actually look at games five and six, um, the Oilers issue that, that I've talked about for a long time reared its ugly head again. And um, the Edmonton okay. Oilers, you know, people will look at the, the underlying numbers and possession and shot totals and everything like that and all favored Edmonton. But Edmonton's problem early in the year was they played Santa Claus too often and they would gift teams goals. And they had, they gave up three goals in a minute and a half in game five in the second period. And then they, uh, they got dominated home in the second period, gave up three goals in game six. Now, if you look at period one and period three, and you'll see all the possession time and all the shots and everything else, it's totally in their favor, but the game 60 minutes. And, and I really think that's why there was like, there was legit pain in the uh, in the voice of the orders after that series loss unlike anything i've seen like they went farther last year now granted they got swept by colorado in the second round colorado was a juggernaut in the third round they're the best team and they deserve to win edmonton wasn't close to them but Mm -hmm. and i think edmonton's team this year top to bottom is actually better than last year's and they didn't go as far um vegas is a good team don't get me wrong but the the orders their Achilles heel was they beat themselves too often. They try a pretty pass here or there. They got a guy cheats at the wrong time and it gives up an odd man rush. You know, somebody busts a coverage in their D zone. And, and I think this loss, Tony, is as strange as it's, this is the loss. I think if the orders are ever turning it around and winning, they're going to look back on this one because this one, this one kicked them in the junk repeatedly. Because they believe they were a good team. And they were a good team. They had the second best record in the second half of the season. They finished winning 14 of 15 games and dominating not just on the power play, but also on five on five. But in this series, in those two periods, they reverted back to what they did earlier in in the season. And and they gave up. They don't give up a lot of shots. But when they give up a chance, Tony, it's like a 10-bell chance. So if, if the other team's giving you lots of fours and fives, well, who cares? It, yeah, it looks good on the stats, but if you're continually giving up a 10 spot, well, guess what? You're going to lose because you're giving yeah. the other team a better chance to score. My um, my buddy Peter in Coach St. Luke a couple of years ago, the Canadians are down 3-1 to the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs, and he gives me a call and he says, double shift your best players. And that's what Montreal did at the time. Their best players were their top four defensemen, and they were double shifting them all the time. And luckily for the Canadians, Toronto wasn't listening to Peter because they didn't double shift their best players. And Montreal did. Montreal came back. They won the series. Having said that, I find that every time I watch the Oilers games, and I don't, I mean, other than having the stats that McDavid and Dreisaitl play about 25 minutes a game, it just seems like they're out there every other shift. It just seems like they're out there for extended shifts. It just seems like they are incredibly reliant on these two players. And, you know, you can come back and answer me, well, if you're going to be reliant on two players, you might as well be reliant on two of the best players in the world, if not the two best. And I get that, and I understand that, but playoff hockey is different than regular season hockey, and maybe it works in the regular season, but it doesn't work in the playoffs, Jason. Yeah, I think next season, the Edmonton Oilers head coach, Jay Woodcroft, I yeah. think he has to. I think he has to throw the crutch away. And the crutch is going and loading up McDavid and Drysaddle. If you actually look at their minutes in the LA series, you know, it's 21 minutes a game. Those guys can play 21 minutes. I have no problem. Um, you get up to 23 or four in non-overtime games. I think that's an issue. Now, Connor McDavid played 24 minutes in game six because 
And he only played five in the first period, by the way. So it was the third period. I think he played 11 minutes because they were trailing. So they're going for it. Fine. Yeah. But I think next season for this team, there's a few things that have to happen. A, they got to eliminate the, the gift goals, right? Play smarter. And I think if I'm the coach, I am not going to the to the McDavid dry subtle unless I'm down a goal and I need it. And because I get it, hey, it's a good nuclear weapon, but it's also a crutch at times. And you've got to empower everybody else. The order's best line. Young, young coach was trying to endear himself to his superstars. You know what I mean? Yeah, just put yeah, them maybe up there a little and... bit. Like they are good, and I understand yeah. why you play them lots. Like you know, Gretzky when the orders won, Glenn Sather used to play him 27 minutes a night sometimes. So you you know you yeah. can do it, but. I really felt the McLeod, Fogel, Derek Ryan line might have been the Oilers' most consistent line. And you got to play those guys more. Oilers' depth guys, you look at their production, Tony, in the regular season, it was fine. They had 12 guys, if you include Nick Bukestad, who had at least 10 goals. Like, uh, like the Oilers were the fourth highest scoring team five on five. Like, their power play is ridiculous, and it killed it. But they could score. Defending was their issue. And McLeod and Fogel spent a lot of time in the offensive zone um, with Derek Ryan. And I think next year, you know, McLeod's a little bit year older, but yeah. you've got to you've got to empower a few more guys in the team, and you also just have to say McDavid and Drysaddle are two of the best players in the league. We're keeping them apart. We'll play the odd shift here and there together, coming off yeah. a penalty kill, no problem. But we're not going to go to them too early in a series because the owners don't have a second line center. Nugent Hopkins is not a second line center; he's a winger. Like they played Nick Bukestad there, and God love Nick Bukestad, but he's not a second line center. No. So I think that that was something that. I felt that wasn't great. The other thing was, Tony, so I would have played Jack Campbell. So Dreisaitl, a, um, a winger too? No, he's a center. And he plays center most of the year. Like him and him and McDavid in the regular season only played 28% of their five-on-five time together. Right? I, like asked they were, you, I asked you because I, unless I, I lost something in translation here, I think you said they don't have a second line center. Yeah, when they, they, when they, they load they up a second McDavid line center when they put them together. Okay, I got yes. it. Now. All yeah. right, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And those are, you know, you can, those are guys you can go get on the market. The challenge is, is that not everyone wants to sign as a, not everyone who's a free agent wants to sign at Edmonton, you know? Well, actually, Tony, if you look at Edmonton the last five years, yeah. how many teams have signed big name free agents as them? You go back to Andre Secker was the highest sought after free agent as a defenseman in 2015. Now, I didn't like the signing, don't get me wrong, but Milan yeah. Lucic was highly sought after by a lot of people. Yeah, Zach Hyman, a really good yeah. signing. Yeah. Right? Evander Kane at five million bucks. Like they're not overpaid. Hyman and Kane are actually really good value contracts at five mil. So um, you know, Matias Ekholm. Yeah, but I, I in, in Kane's case, I think he signed with Edmonton because they're the only team that wanted to sign him to take on the baggage. And that's fair. But yeah. then remember, he was a free agent again, right? And they and Ken Holland said you can go see. And no one was willing to pay them more than what Edmonton offered. And he was like, well, I'll just stay in Edmonton then. Yeah. Yeah. Stuart Skinner. Very good season for a rookie. But here's the thing, Tony. There's the, the I, never, I, never, I never bought in, though. Like, uh, for yeah. me, it was like, you know, it was Steve Penny all over again, 1984. But I just, you know, I, yeah. I had a feeling that uh, the air was going to come out of the balloon at one point. Well, and see, I don't blame a goaltender. When you put him in a situation that he hasn't been in before, the most games he played consecutive all regular season was six. Now you get to the playoffs. Like, look at the Boston Bruins. Linus Olmark, he's going to win the Vesna. He played two consecutive games from December 15th on. And then all of a sudden they played him every night in the playoffs. Like, I think it's ridiculous when teams suddenly 
veer away from what they did. Now, when you had Carey Price and other guys who were playing 60 to 65 games, that's different because they were used to playing all the time. Yeah. You had a rookie goalie who would Henrik mean Lundqvist. Yeah, Henrik Lundqvist. You know, you don't see that anymore, right? The game's different. Goalies, you got to work harder now as a goalie because there's so much more side-to-side passing guys. They got to move harder, right? There's yeah. very few goalies that play that. Game's faster. Starts. Game's faster, yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. So I think teams, it's going to be a slow process. Now, Florida's doing it, and Bobrovsky's out of his mind, right? He's playing unbelievable. He's back to Vesna Bob. But Stuart Skinner was a rookie. And I, I I said it after game five, after he got pulled and Jack Campbell came in and played unreal. I, I know the game was, they weren't winning the game, but he played great. I'm like, I get it's a risk, but the risk of Stuart Skinner is a rookie struggling. And he didn't cost him the game, but he also didn't make a big save. And uh, I thought, no. and I don't blame him. They didn't lose the series because of Stuart Skinner. I, I felt that they, they got away from, you know, overplaying guys. And hey, maybe Jack Campbell would have struggled. Hey, but well, by the Stuart way, well, Skinner Campbell, had an 885, Tony, going in. It's not like this guy was lighting yeah. it up. And Campbell, in the four games that he played, albeit of the final 18 orders games of the season, I think he had a save percentage somewhere like 930 or something like that, I read. Yeah. Like he and, was, and he was 4 0. Yes. He, Jack Campbell, he, he, he was very inconsistent to start the year. Then he got into January when Skinner um, was away from the team. Uh, him and his wife welcomed the sun, and he took some time off, which was awesome. And uh, he played nine in a row uh, or started eight of nine, I think, or nine of 10. And he played really well. And that kind of got the orders back on track because at that time they were floundering a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and and then, you know, he got inconsistent again. And, you know, I think Jack Campbell's struggles were a little bit between the ears more than anything else. He actually did change his equipment midseason, which doesn't happen very often. And I think it helped him because he got, he got some newer pads. So his old pads, he tried to absorb all the rebounds. Well, goalies don't play that way anymore. Now they want the rebounds to be bouncier. So he kicked them out six or seven feet. Right. Remember, Tony, when we were little, you wanted the goalie, the rebounds, you just swallow them up. Well, the goalies don't play that way anymore. You want to kick it out just the way they're shooting. And I thought they would have went to Campbell. There's no guarantee they would have won. Right. There's no guarantee at all. I'm not saying that. But I felt that was a decision that would have benefited the team to, to go with Campbell in game six. Yeah. Alfred uh, Vegas says uh, signing um, a, a second line centerman. Good luck with that. And I write I wrote back. L.A. did it with Phil Deneau. Yeah, see, Edm- Edmonton doesn't need a second line center, Tony. They got one. Of, they they have the best second line center in the league. Just yeah. keep them there. Yeah, and I and I and I totally agree with you because when you put those guys together, um, you know, as as much as they're great, and every now and then they're going to win their battles. But if I'm a coach on the other team, I have a lot less worrying to do because now all I got to do is I got to put a shutdown line on them, and then the rest of the game versus the other lines, I really don't have to worry. But if you have those two guys on two different lines, man, I'm trying to put a shutdown line versus McDavid's line. I'm trying to put a shutdown line versus Drysaddle's line. And my shutdown line might end up being my better players. So now all of a sudden, or, you know, if it is, now i got to rely on my third and fourth line guys to win me a game. Instead, if it's my third and fourth line guys that are shutdown guys, then I don't have my offensive players on the ice as much as I'd want to. It just becomes such a headache when you have two stars on two different lines. Malkin and Crosby didn't play together when they won cups. They played together on, on the power play, yeah. but they centered two different lines. And that's it's the way funny, you do Tony, it, in the, You know what? I actually went back. In the regular season, they were actually each other's most common line mate. But then each year at the trade deadline, they added guys like Bill Guerin and Hosa. Yeah. And they got better wingers. And you're right. Come playoff time, they were separate. And I think that's what Edmonton needs to do. Um, last year, Drysaddle was injured, so I get it. But when they're healthy... 
I'm sorry. Say, guys, I'm keeping you separate. We've got Evander Kane. We've got Zach Hyman. We've got Nugent Hopkins. We've got some legit top six wingers. Like those guys, the orders look like Hyman had almost 90 points. Nugent Hopkins had 100. You've got some guys who can produce points here. Evander Kane, you know yep. what? Uh, even even injured was still on pace for 35 goals again this year. So um, they've got enough good top six guys. They need another top six right winger in an ideal world. But even if it's a complimentary winger, that's what they need. And I think they just, the coach next year, I think, have a little bit more faith in your bottom guys. And so your big guys will still be your big guys when need be because your best players still win in the playoffs. I don't care what anyone says. All the numbers back it up. You need some, you know, you need a, Jart, a Jordan Martinuke to play out of his mind for a series, and that's nice. But realistically, you're going to win with your best players 99% of the time. All right. Okay. Uh, let's hear from, let's go to the, uh, that, uh, those exit interviews and let's hear from Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Um, it's all about winning. It's, it's about winning. We've been fortunate enough to, to have won personal awards. You know, no one cares about that. No one's writing about that in the media right now about heart trophies or whatever it is. You know, everyone's talking about how, how teams are moving on into the conference finals, the finals, um, you know, that's that's what we want to do. I think for for us to just understanding, you know, how far away it is just to be back in that very same position, you know. And then we all got to go home and train all summer long and come back and go through camp and play 82 more regular season games just to get back to the very same spot. Um, and just understanding that when you're in the when you're there and you're playing in the, in the series, it's you got to do anything to uh, to, to keep it going or win a game. All right, there you have it. Um, Leon Dreisaitl and says, um, you know, nobody cares about heart trophies right now and individual awards and stuff like that. They care about which teams moved on. Uh, Ken Holland, I think, went on to say that the, the group was devastated. Eh? So what, what did you take? What, what one comment did you most take out of the exit interviews and who did it come from? Man, I'll be honest, Tony, and I've covered these for a long time. The, the combination of Dreisaitl, um, you know, McDavid had one, but Matthias Ekholm, there was a few things that stood out. So, so Dreisaitl's comment about, you know what, we just basically like we beat ourselves too often. And it, and it comes down to, you know, giving the other team easy goals. And, and Edmonton's did that too often. So I liked hearing that from a leader. And then Matthias Ekholm said, you know what, when I was in Nashville, we didn't have the offense. So we had our best players were defense. And so we play sound defense and then we'd hope we could capitalize on some chances. And you know that got us to one Stanley cup run, but we didn't have what Edmonton has. You can't walk around the corner and just pick up the two best players, but you can play better defense and you have to get comfortable knowing you don't always have to outscore the opposition to win, right? That you don't have to, you know, it's, we can win the game. You don't have to lose the game. And that was the comment, I think, from, from him, who's a veteran defender, who knows how to play defense, was a huge addition to the team. And, and I really believe listening to Hyman and McDavid and Dreisaitl, like, like they were gutted, Tony. Like, even here it is, uh, the, it was, that was Tuesday. They lost on Sunday. And usually players have, like, the next day when a series is over, that's when they talk. The owners took a day off because their team was just gutted. And even talking to them the next day, like, you could tell this one, like it was pain, like real pain. They felt they were a good team. They didn't reach their expectations and they, they don't have anybody to blame but themselves. And they didn't try to make excuses, right? Like Ken Holland was where, Hey, give Vegas credit. 
They beat us. They finished higher in the regular season by two points. They're the most more consistent team all year long. And he's right. They were. And so, you know, Zach Hyman said, we, we got it. We can't just wait until the second half because if we play well in the first half, well, now we have home ice advantage. So there's a lot of big picture stuff, you know, Hyman said, and he's lost some series, as you know, in Toronto, he said, he's yeah. never felt this bad after a series ever. And, and I believe him and just watching their body language. So, like I said, I think this is like, you know, you go back in history, you know, the orders talked about losing to the Islanders in 83, and that was a big moment for them. And, you know, the Penguins lost in 08 in the cup final, yeah. and that was a big moment for them. And, you know, Chicago lost in the conference final in, in 09, and that was a big moment for them. They're not the Tampa Bay got swept in 2019 when they won 62 games. And then they came back and won two consecutive cups and went to a third in a row. Now, Boston, I'm not sold that Boston can repeat that, but Edmonton is a team because their core yeah. is all in place. They don't, they're not going out there and losing a lot of guys. There'll, there'll be some small tweaks, maybe on the blue line and, and then a right winger. But for the most part, their best guys are there. Their depth guys are there. And, and I would expect them in the regular season, Tony, to not, if they can show in the regular season that they've learned not to gift goals as, as much of a frequency as they did, then I think they can be a dangerous team. But if they go through the regular season again and they're outscoring teams and they're winning, but they're giving up four all the time and they're winning five, four, then I don't think they can win in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I don't think goalies win Stanley cups anymore. No, nope, I agree. Uh, but there are goalies, you know, they, for example, I mean, Bobrovsky with the way he's playing is, is a big reason why Florida is where they are. And, uh, goalies still have their say, all right? And uh, ultimately, I think Toronto got eliminated because they got goalied. Um, and I think Edmonton would have gone on had they had a better goalie. So my question to you is, does a goalie become priority number one for the Oilers? If not, what position are they looking at? What kind of player are they looking at? Yeah, I don't think it is because I think they're they're pretty high on Skinner. And and they really feel that Jack Campbell, like a lot of free agents, will be better in year two. A lot, you know, you can go around the league, uh, look at Huberto, uh, look at Markstrom when he signed a lot, and there's and those are just got guys near in, in the uh, in Calgary down the street. But mm -hmm. you know, there's lots of guys on big tickets their first year, not all, but okay. some who who have pressure. So now Campbell, by the way, he's never going to be elite in my eyes, and he, I don't yeah. think he has to be elite. He just has to be nine oh five. Well, but, but there's two things that have to happen, okay? This is what I've learned. Um, if you have a good goalie and not more than that, if you want the goalie to play really good hockey like Linus Olmark did, you have to either put a really good team in front of them or a really good defense in front of them or a really good system in front of them. The years that Columbus used to have, the goalies that used to have the best stats in the league, it's they were benefactors of the system of the coaching. Um, the Bruins, I think Olmark this year was the benefactor of playing in front of a really good team in front of them. Um, and, and a really solid team like Edmonton can give Skinner three goals if he's a net, but on a lot of nights he can give up four or five. So, I mean, if they're not going to replace their goalie, don't you think they need another really good defenseman or a really good shutdown player? 
I think they I think they're looking on on the right side. I think ideally they would like a top four right defenseman. I, I think they'll they'll explore a potential trade. You know, Cody Cece, and you know they'll have to obviously sweeten the pot or something like that. Um, I really think Tony it comes down because if you actually look at the orders, had the third highest expected goal save percentage in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Third highest. They don't. Their their problem oh. was. So overall, they they would give up. They'd keep to the outside. And then, oh, by the way, now we're going to give up three bang, bang chances. And that would kill yeah. them. And yeah. so that's why I think their system will improve that because neither one of their goalies are there yet. Stuart Skinner, he's so young, I can't say for sure because goalies, man, I can't predict. Like from year to yeah. year, who knows? Yeah. Outside of maybe five, right? And uh, you don't know what they're going to be. So Skinner just has to be decent. He doesn't have to be all world. He just has to be decent. Right, which you thought he was when Campbell played really well. Like the orders, if you look at their record, Tony, in games where their goalie just has a 900 save percentage, mm-hmm. not 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 920, just 900, and they're yeah. dominant. So, and and some of those nights, though, when their goalie's letting in four goals on 22 shots, it looks terrible save percentage. But then you go look at the chances, and you're like, well, they gave up 22 shots, but they gave up 11 quality scoring chances, and that's what. The, so I think it's systemic, and I think it's more of a just a determination, a dedication, and a commitment to be sound defensively. Because as Ken uh, Holland said today, anybody yeah. can play defense, I but hear you. you have to commit to doing it. All right. So, you know, what's being said about Ken Holland? Like, what did you talk about today on your radio show when it got to Ken Holland? What did you say? Well, for me, Tony, I look at the team he inherited. So Ken Holland's been here four years. They made the playoffs four years. The team he inherited had missed the playoffs the previous two years. They were 25th in the NHL with McDavid, with Dreisaitl, with Nurse, with Nugent Hopkins, their four core guys, right? So they were mm-hmm. t- 25th. They were terrible. Since then, they've improved every year. Um, I-, I look at the moves. So he brought in Zach Hyman, pretty good contract. Brought in Vander Kane. Traded for Brett Kulak for a second-round pick. That's been unreal. Brett Kulak, the last two playoffs, has been phenomenal. He was arguably I, I wish I wish he would have played more because on many nights they were playing 4-D, 4.5. Yeah, I hey, he should. I, I like Brett Kulak. I think he's a really solid defense. Did you know he's only yeah, one of five me, there was, guys? There was, a game, there was a game where they played 11 forwards and 7-D, but they were actually playing 4.5-D. You know, like yeah. uh, Kulak was playing half a game. Darnay wasn't, you know, he doesn't play much at all. Well, you know what? I'll say we'll get to Darren in a second. And you yeah. brought it up because I'm actually a big fan of his. But I, I look at the Ken Holland. When you look at the team, when he came in, he said, we got to get bigger and we got to get faster. And so now you are four years later. They got Hyman and Kane. They got Clean Costin for Samorikov. That's a steal of a trade. They brought yeah. in Nick Bukestad for nothing. He's six foot six. He actually played well. Ekholm, DeHarnay on the back end. Uh, you know, like Mike Smith, people ripped about Mike Smith. Go look at Mike Smith's numbers for two years. He had the sixth best save percentage in the NHL. You know, he had a nine thirteen in the playoffs for $2 million. Like that yeah. was a steal of a, yeah. of a signing. So I think I, Ken I Holland, agree with you. I think Holland's done a good job. Yeah. I really like I, the only, if you want to complain, you'll say, well, the Zach Cassin contract. Yeah. Okay. Terrible contract. And then he traded him away, gave up two draft picks. It didn't crush his team. So I actually, I give Ken Holland lots of high marks. Uh-huh. Uh, for, for what he's done at, at the pro scouting level and bringing in guys, you know, they're drafting who knows Philip Broberg. Now I'll, I'll admit Tony. Yeah. At that time I wrote Matt Boldy was the guy I would have taken because defensemen yeah. take longer to develop and Edmonton needed a big winger. Now I'm not Broberg still might be a good defenseman, but I haven't seen enough of him to really know what he is. And I Where think the challenge with Broberg they again, uh, they pick, they were picking uh, what were they? 10th, 9th, 
Eighth, eighth. What? Well, yeah, it was eighth. And Boldy went twelfth, I think. It was. My God. And Cole right. Caulfield went fifteenth to the Canadians. Yeah, he. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, Cole Caulfield's a good shooter for sure. Zegris was there. Like there were some good yeah. players available for sure. Very good players. Um, Edmonton needed bigger size though. They had a, they were a bunch of Smurf forwards at that time. So yeah. Um, Cole Caulfield obviously now would fit in great in Edmonton, but you didn't know that you know at the time. Um, I know what you're. I know what you're thinking. Uh, Boldy yeah. would have been a poor man's Kachuk. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? Yeah, well, right? that, okay. not that. Well, maybe that'd be unbelievable. No, 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 but, but I, I, mean, I like that, Boldy. That's, that's the ceiling. That's the yeah, ceiling, yeah. right? That's I like Boldy's good player, but and Broberg might be good, Tony. But here's the thing: where the Oilers are at, they are in win now mode. There's no doubt about it. They're a cup yeah. contender. I'll, I'll yeah. argue that to anybody. Whether they win or not, who knows? But Philip Broberg's development curve yeah. is because if he's going to play here next year, where mm -hmm. does he play? You've got Nurse, Ekholm, and Kulak on your three left defense. I don't want to move any of them. Why would I? Makes no sense to me. So I hear you. Where does he play? All right. Um, before Nathan McKinnon won the Stanley Cup with Colorado, a lot of people around the league were looking at him saying, oh, this guy just, he, he can't get it done in the playoffs. Yeah. A lot of people were saying that about Austin Matthews in Toronto. And after this year, they still are. If I was listening to Edmonton Sports Radio earlier today, and Connor McDavid's name came up. Uh, would be people be saying the same thing or not? Well, no. McDavid scored two points a game last year in the playoffs. Like you look at his production. Him and Leon Drysaddle, historically, amongst any players in NHL history, who yeah. played forty-five or more playoff games. Drysaddle has the uh, might be third now, but he was second yeah. ahead of Lemieux, and and McDavid was fifth. So, so I, there's I don't nobody, and, and I know he's got 20 points or whatever it is, but, and uh, I think he's this, I think he's still number one in points, you know, even though he's eliminated. So no one in Edmonton today is, is, is questioning Connor McDavid's ability to get his team over the hump in the playoffs. That's not coming up at all. That wasn't mentioned by anybody. No, I'd be, yeah. I'd be flabbergasted by that. No, well, it's, it's brought up here in Montreal. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with it. I mean, yeah. I think Connor McDavid did everything that he absolutely can in his power to do. Unfortunately for the Edmonton orders, is they don't have 11 other Connor McDavid's at the, at the forward position. They don't have six Connor McDavid's on the fence, and they don't have a Connor McDavid at goaltending. And if they, and did, they don't need I mean, that. Like, no team has that, right? Like, yeah, Tampa no, Bay I, was a freak, really, for a you while. You can't have because, that with a cap. Yeah, well, Tampa had it. They were freakish because they had three elite forwards, a, a like a Hall of Fame defenseman, and a Hall yeah. of Fame goalie. And that's, you know, but well, that's They, they that's had a rare. bunch of guys on injured reserve, and then once the playoffs started, then they were able to bring them back in the lineup, and the cap didn't count them. I mean, it's pretty brilliant, actually. All right. Okay. So um, the the window, I took a look very quickly. I think Darnell Nurse has like six years. I think uh, um, Drysaddle's got a couple of years. I think McDavid's got three years and stuff. The window's not closed in Edmonton, right? Oh. I mean, people are still optimistic that the window. No, there there is like the minimum is two years. Obviously, the Drysaddle contract. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, it's funny in Toronto for years it was like, oh, McDavid, McDavid, he's going to leave, he's going to leave. Yet they're they're crickets in their own market about Matthews. Why? Because it's an idiotic statement. Like, let's call a spade a spade. It's idiotic. There's nothing worse yeah. to me than fans or media in one market that yeah. rip on another market. They never have the guts to say the same thing about their own market. It's stupid. McDavid wasn't going to leave. There's no chance he was going to leave and ask for a trade four years into his career. Like Marilyn, you didn't get to the second round of the playoffs until his eighth year when they won. Like, you know, Ovechkin didn't get to the third. You, round. you know what it is, Jason? You know what it is? A lot of people look at the examples of actually players uh, with star tags or superstar tags that go to teams 
and actually end up winning that Stanley Cup within five years. So then all of a sudden, everyone gets, that has to happen. Unfortunately, you know what? It takes a long time to win a Stanley Cup sometimes. And unfortunately, you know what? There are some superstars who never won it, right? Gilbert Perrault never won the Stanley Cup, and Marcel Dion never won the Stanley Cup. And guess what? If Raymond Bork didn't go upstairs to this, you know, to the head office and say, uh, to the to the big boss's office and say, hey, you know what? Trade me. He wouldn't have won a Stanley Cup either. I mean, that's just the way it is, right? I hope for Connor McDavid that he's going to win a Stanley Cup. And I hope for Leon Dreisler he's going to win a Stanley Cup because, you know, you're going to get one or two idiots that are going to say if they don't win the Stanley Cup that they weren't that good because they weren't able to lead their teams to the Cup. You know yeah, what I mean? Man. And so yeah, I, no, for, it's for true. that reason, I, more than any other reason, I really hope they win it. Yeah, and that's fair. I, I think in our society now, we give too much credence for the vocal minority. And yeah. so, you know, if somebody said that, I'd be like, good for you. But but even going back to your point, Tony, about guys who win right away, and the yeah. salary cap era is different. I don't care what happened in the 80s. It's different. You look at, so Sidney Crosby won four years in, yeah. good, and Patrick Kane. Anyone else? No. So, well, it's to me, it's, so you have two guys who won. And well, those Jonathan, teams, but- Jonathan Taves was on that team with, uh, yeah, sure, but do they win yeah. without Kane? No, right. He was the last piece, right? They yeah. they won the lottery. They lucked out. They won the lottery. If they don't win the Patrick yeah. Kane lottery, Chicago's not winning three cups in six years. No, correct. Yeah. So and if uh, and if the Penguins don't win the lottery and they don't get Sidney Crosby, they're not winning those three cups either. Hundred percent, right? And the other thing is, even when they got Kane, they had Taves, but they had Seabrook and Keith, and those guys were now five years into their careers, right? Like, Hamilton was not they- too shabby either. Yeah, they came in. And so, you know, good teams have, it's no surprise that when you go back and look at Stanley Cup winning teams, not all, but most, there's an exception, the Carolina Hurricanes, I think the St. Louis Blues, but most teams will have three Hall of Famers, right? That are future Hall of Famers minimum. Some have more, four or five. You go back, look at those great Montreal teams, the Islanders, the Oilers, look how many, you're talking four, five, six, because you need lots of good guys in hockey. This isn't basketball where your superstars play the majority of the game. So you agree that to win the cup nowadays, you really, you just, you have to go through a rebuild. You have to draft, you know, that one or two franchise players. If you want to get it done. I think for the most part. Yeah. Like St. Louis, maybe, but even Petrangelo was fourth overall. Right. But they didn't have any really high picks. They had a really deep team, but they also Tony. They were anomaly. They were an anomaly. Yes. They were an anomaly. So they got hot in the second half of the season. They were, they were deep at center. They were deep at center. They had a very good blue line. Like huge, they had, they had Ryan they O'Reilly, had four legit defensemen. So who did they have? They had Ryan O'Reilly. They had Braden Shen. Uh, they had Bozak. Yeah, uh, Tarasenko sure. was you know a really good shooter. But then you I'm had Petrangelo. About the centermen, though. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not sure oh. if uh, Robert Thomas played some center in 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 those playoffs. Yeah, he was but, a rookie. He just he was kind of just yeah, starting out. It was yeah. more. It was more. I think it was more Shen O'Reilly and Bozak. Three pretty good centermen. Veteran guys, right? And then, but their defense to me was the difference. Like, yeah, Pereco, Petrangelo, Jay Bomeister, like they were all huge and mobile, yeah. and they just they just sucked every the life out of everybody. Six they four, were, six five, six six could yeah. skate like the wind. And by the way, they block shots like crazy. Like Edmondson, who's a solid defender, he was like their number six. Yeah, he was available <laughs> to the orders, by the way, before the deadline, but they chose uh, to get there. They, no, I like like Joel Edmondson. I think. God love him. His best days are behind him. I don't, he's injury prone. He's not, he's not a guy. No, like when Ekholm came about and and Ken Holland, you know, talked about that, that really kind of came about really in a week beforehand. 
right? And, um, you know, they moved on it. They, they, hey, they gave up a lot, right? Tyson Berry's a really good player. And yeah. Nashville is yeah. probably going to trade him for something. They gave yeah. up Reed Schaefer a first rounder and another first rounder. But there are their windows to win now. They needed of that course, guy. Of course. Yeah, yeah. of course. Needed, and I wouldn't be surprised, Tony, if they do another big move at next year's deadline. They have to. You know, yeah. because like you said, if the window is at least two years, well, that puts a lot of urgency on next year. It really does. It's funny. George Larac is a regular collaborator on this podcast and uh, usually joins us every Thursdays. And at one point, a couple of months ago, right before the deadline, he said that, uh, you know, he told people close to the Oilers organization. Um, he said he actually said that he was asked about Edmondson and he said, basically, don't touch him with a 10 foot pole. He's got a really bad back. And uh, he's, you know, he's injury prone and he's declining. And uh, everyone that's watching on the YouTube chat and the Facebook chat and the Twitter chat and stuff like that, they all got upset at George because why did you tell the orders that type of thing? But uh, George said, come on, come on, folks. I'm, I'm sure the orders knew without me telling them. I mean, <laughs> it's not yeah. my fault that uh, Joel Edmondson didn't get traded to Edmonton. I'm sure the Edmonton orders uh, pay their scouts and everyone's watching and stuff like that. Hey, a quick, and I so appreciate your time and it's, um, I won't keep you much longer, but uh, just your, your quick thoughts on, on what's transpired in Arizona. You know what? Um, I, I'm never one who's who wants to to gloat and say, oh, they're terrible. Just move them. Because you know what? There, there is a there is a percentage of fans who love that. There's people who have jobs and lives and I get it. Um, here's the thing, though. No one can say Gary Bettman didn't do everything in his power to give them ample opportunities to find their footing in Too Arizona. Much. Too yeah. much to the point where it's become uh, stubbornness. Well, it's a it almost seems like it's a yeah, it's a, it's an obsession that has led to uh, to something being detrimental. You're right about that. Yeah, like Gary Bettman's stubbornness right now yeah. is hurting the team. I know for a fact that other teams, lots of owners, are disgusted by it because they're like, wait a sec here, you know. And and the players themselves, they're like, this is lowering HRR. It, you know, what if you would have had just a normal functioning other thirty first team. You know, the salary cap guaranteed would have gone up by $3 million this year. Guaranteed, yeah. right? So players don't like it. Teams don't like it because now they're subsidizing. You basically got the one little, you know, weakling uh, in the family who's just sucking yeah. on the teeth of everybody else. And so I think enough's enough. Um, you know, I heard today they're like, hey, we still think it's going to work. And, and that's fine. I expect the ownership to say all that stuff. But here's the facts. Um, number one, they're the 11th biggest market when it comes to TV. But I don't care. No one watches. Look at their actual TV numbers. I don't give two squirts that you're in a, a market that has the 11th biggest amount of televisions. If no one's watching, it doesn't matter. And no one's watching the Coyotes in Arizona. No, It, it just doesn't happen. And that sucks. I, I know people that work for the organization. They're great people, but they've had their chance. It's never really worked. And, uh, you know, there's other markets like Quebec City would be the first choice. I know it the ownership group's never team. been stable there. It, it, it yeah. just it changes as this is that it's involved in scandal. It's involved in this. And and by the way, they've been in like an, 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 an a, you know, a, 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 a 13 year rebuild or whatever it is. And I'm exaggerating the number wow. and whatever it's, it's it's just it seems like they rebuild all the time and they rebuild and then they trade and they rebuild. Like, for example, when they traded Chikrin, I mean, Chikrin's still a good young defenseman. Like, is that the kind of guy that you trade if you're still in a rebuild? but it's almost like they're, they're you know they rebuild so often that it's almost getting to the point where they trade 24 and 25 year old players to rebuild again it's insane yeah well it, chicken had asked for a trade for three years right so, yeah yeah because uh, players know i got no chance to compete here we've got yeah. more money on ltir guys who aren't playing so we can get to the cap floor like it's 
it's Mickey Mouse. It, it's not a good look for the league. Yeah. And I just think, sorry, Arizona. I just think it's time that they move on. You had a chance. Hey, maybe hey, Colorado got hockey again years later, and it's, yeah. it's done incredibly well. So if, if it's a better time in the future, awesome for you. But I just don't think now's the time. You and Frank Saravalli having fun with the daily faceoff? Oh, yeah, it's good. You can you can wind Frank up pretty easily, Tony. So I love yeah. it. Yeah, listen, um, it's not everyone that hosts and or co-hosts a podcast that agrees to go on other podcasts, which I, I find is very old school mentality, all right, when they do that, because the fact of the matter is um, when everyone helps each other, everyone comes out stronger. I've always felt that way. And uh, so I thank you for taking the opportunity to join me on the SICK podcast. And uh, I have no problem telling everyone watching right now that you need to watch Jason Greger and you need to watch Frank Saravalli and you need to follow dailyfaceoff.com, which is the website where you can find all the line combinations and you need to watch and listen to their podcast because it's an excellent, excellent podcast. And I want them to do great. And I want me to do great too. I want us all to do great. That's that's what it is. Hey, Tony, I'm with you, man. You and I have been doing this for many years. I, I for many years. And anytime, I love it. And yeah, uh, you know what? Uh, have a lot of fun doing that. And you know, slugging out the radio show. Still, I'm lucky because I own my yeah. own show, so I'm kind of unique. So it makes it. Uh, that's that's right. Hey, listen, uh, a lot of people don't know that, right? Uh, but you know, and I'm I'm going to mention it now because a you just did, and b it's because it's already been in the papers, right? It was there was already an article about it. But um, most people that work sports radio are paid employees. Um, Jason basically owns his own show. I don't know how, how did that come about for you when it's like, considering it's a pretty big company and I don't think they have that deal with anybody else. So how did that deal come, or maybe they do. How did that deal come, uh, come around? Well, you for don't, you? Hey, Tom, so, I basically, graduate- so basically what you, you, do you have to, do they I, charge rent, you for the- I, I basically, I, I rent my airtime from okay, the Okay, so they charge right? you for the airtime. You go out, you get your own sponsors, which yeah, end they up get, paying they the get, They get a certain percentage of the minutes, and then I get the rest. And then, So it's a collaboration. You know what? It's, it's worked really well with now it's Bell Media. It started out with uh, with Slate and Astral and different ones. And um, so it's kind of been grandfathered in. Um, when I grew up, you probably heard of John Short. Yeah. Well, uh, when, when I started, that's what John did at Oli's 1260. And so yeah. I never even knew that was a possibility. And then I kind of tripped into it a little bit. And back in 05, I, my first show that I owned was 11 PM till 1 AM. And I'm like, Hey, if I can sell this, then I can sell anything. So, uh, you know, and I was not a salesman. I don't think I'm a salesman yeah. now, but you know, I, I'm lucky because Edmonton is a diehard sports market. They love sports. They love the really Raiders. Good. They hate the Raiders at times, football, soccer, any sport, anytime. That's cool. And it, uh, well, yeah, the, it CPL, really well. the CPL didn't last there, unfortunately, which is unfortunate, but amateur soccer is strong in Edmonton, but the CPL didn't last there. No, nah, it's too bad. Like, I, um, you know, now there, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I, I think, you know, at, at times ownership wasn't great. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think the city helped them out a ton either. Um, I, I think it's one where, you know, I, I think if, if you could get in the league, if you could ever have an expansion team to join Vancouver and Toronto and Montreal, that, you know, that's the only way you could ever consider doing it again. I'm not sure there's an appetite for it or not, but there is a huge soccer community here now more than ever. Like soccer is growing. It helps Alfonso Davies from Edmonton. So that's yeah. uh, that's that's grown the soccer community significantly. I know you loved uh, soccer, Tony. I grew up as probably the sport I was best at. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I've definitely got an appreciation for it 
more now than I, than I probably ever have in my life. And, um, you know, I would love to see, I mean, like I'm a sports guy. Like I did the yeah. play by play for lacrosse for 10 years. I loved it. I love the wow. NLL. Um, I'd love to see soccer in Edmonton, but, um, it, the only way it would probably work now is, you know, if the orders own the team, you know, I just, yeah, that's probably the only way I see it happen. Hey, so my buddy George Larac, when he was in Edmonton last week, he got himself a pretty big applause. Hey, I saw him on the Jumbotron. They were going crazy. Oh, hey, buddy, George, dude, you know how it is in those. George is a huge fan favorite in Edmonton because for a variety, what he did on the ice is one reason. Yeah. But George did so much community work. He met, like, literally, George might know half the city. And I'm not even joking about that. He's an ultra-friendly person. He would go um to the to the stollery hospital on his own just because to go in there he's a big personality you know george he's like a big kid and i mean that in a compliment he's always he's always smiling he's having fun oh yeah you know doesn't take himself too serious you know if if you see him next just uh, ask him about how terrible he was at shooting tape balls in the garbage it's still a greatest gag him and i have like he's like i never miss and he would miss all the time it was so awesome yeah i'll tell you a funny story you're gonna love this one okay i'll tell you a funny george story so the canadians have um as someone working for them in their community relations department by the name of Genevieve Pocket. All right. Yeah. And Genevieve is absolutely fantastic at her job. And um, when George um, signed on with the Montreal Canadians, he told Genevieve when he met her, he said, uh, she introduced herself and said, I'm Genevieve Pocket and I'm in charge of community relations and the Montreal Canadians Foundation and stuff like that. And she says, I'll be reaching out every now and then and stuff like that, whatever. And he said to her, he said, no, no, reach out to me often. I want to do as many community events as possible. Like it's just, it'll always be, yes, I'm always there. I'm always there. And so shortly thereafter, after George Larac signs with the Montreal Canadians, Genevieve Paquette's phone is like, just it's, it's ringing off the hook, like nonstop. He put her cell phone number on his personal website. If you, if you want me to show up to your event, call Genevieve. Oh God, there's George. Uh, Just a yeah. classic. Eh? She was uh, she was pretty surprised. Uh, George and I we go way back. It's um he was he was doing he had reached out to me at one point when he was playing with the Canadians and there was that earthquake in Haiti. And he had reached out to me and he says, Tony, I'm just wondering if we can maybe do something on the radio. I'm thinking that if we can auction off maybe a package of of tickets and and um you know, uh, you know, we'll, I'll do a meet and greet with the with with the person who buys the tickets, or I can get you know a player of their choice to be part of the meet and greet, and 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 the proceeds from that. I mean, we'll you know, I'll all send towards Haiti and stuff like that. Yeah. So I said, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I'd love to help out in any way, shape, or form. And so we were communicating, we we're talking back and forth, and um, he um, he shows up at the rink. And they tell them it's it's over, right? It's over. We're buying you out. Oof. So I, I I I get the news over the wire. Back then it was the wire, yeah. right? We used to have these news feeds. I get the news over the wire, and uh, mind you, back then, I mean, Twitter was around. I mean, I probably got over Twitter. I don't remember if I got over the wire, Twitter, whatever. Anyway, I just we got the news, and uh, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm hosting my show right on the radio, and I'm like, well, George Larac has just been bought out by the Montreal Canadiens. As I announce it. He walks into studio and he sits down right in front of me. He wants so to I'm looking at him and I'm like, "No, he didn't. He he showed up because um, he wanted to drop off the tickets that we had talked about and stuff like that. And he didn't know now if he was going to get a chance. He wasn't going to be part of the meet and greet because he was he was bought out. 
And so he said, here's the tickets to the game. And uh, so I, he waited for me to go to commercial break. Here's the tickets to the game. And, um, and uh, you know, I can still set it up and they can still meet whichever players they want to meet and stuff like that. But I, I mean, I won't be there at the game and stuff. And no, he didn't. I, I had asked him, you want to come on? And he didn't want to come on because, you know, he was told not to talk because if he was going to talk, he wasn't going to get paid. He was still in their contract, right? Right. But um, so I don't know. remember if it's Guy Carboneau and or Bob Ganey. They have the press conference to talk about buying out George Larac. And uh, he and I are watching it together. And this entire time, I can't say anything on air. I don't want to make it look like George is in studio with me because then I'm going to start getting a lot of heat from a lot of people saying, I can't believe he was in studio with you and you didn't make him didn't talk, right? Obviously, yeah. I wanted him to talk, but the guy said, knows if he talks, he's not going to get paid. He'd rather make a million dollars than make my radio show famous for two minutes and talk. But uh, anyway, so George and I, we go way back. There's a few stories. There's a few uh, a few good ones. And, well, Tony, uh, those- if you have any really good dirt on George, um, they're having a, we're doing a celebrity roast for Kevin Lowe. We do it for kid sport, uh, different people every oh, year. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, so uh, I'm the roast master and uh, George is one of the roasters coming into town. Oh, and really? so I get to rip on all of them. Obviously we rip mostly on Kevin. Yes. But, um, yeah. You got, you got any uh, good I, dirt I on George? I don't, I don't have any dirt on George, but I don't understand how someone who can eat salad and tofu all day weighs 300 pounds. Like I just, Dude, well, I when he told me he was vegan, it, I asked him, did, did you eat him? So that's what I was like. I, I just, about. I don't get, I, Hey, here's, here's, here's one last one. Here's one last one. And, uh, and I'm, what time is it in Edmonton right now? It's nine 19. It's two hours. It's, yeah. Nine 19. It's Oh, you're way later than me. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I was for a second there, I was feeling guilty. Cause I'm like, I got this guy late. Now I just realized nine 19. I got bad news, Jason. You and I are going to go on for another two hours because, uh, <laughs> but, uh, here's, um, here's another one. Uh, and it's the last one. Uh, he hosts his own radio show. Uh, on BPM Sports, uh, he's on he's on uh, Monday to Friday, uh, from 11 a.m. to 1:30 p.m. I'm a collaborator on that French on that at all sports radio station in French. Yeah, uh, I'm part of the morning show. I went in probably in studio about a month and a half ago, month and a half ago, two months ago, and I don't know if you know this by the way. He's on the air once again at 11. Do you know what time he gets the studio at? Seven. He gets to the studio at 6 o'clock in the morning for an 11 o'clock show wow. at 6 a.m. He wakes up at like 4.30 in the morning, goes to bed at like 9.30 at night or whatever it is. He only stays up late on Thursday nights when he's actually on my podcast. But uh, And he's in a hurry to get off. He always says, 20 minutes, bro, please. Uh, but so anyway, I see him, and he's like sluggish. like He's like this, like in his chair, like, oh, you're sitting down like this. And I'm like, this guy's about to pass out. And I'm like... George, are you all right, buddy? He goes, yeah, just, you know, I'm fasting. So I said, okay, you're fasting. What are you doing? You're doing 16-8? You're doing, uh, you're doing uh, 18-6? You're doing uh, 24? How many hours are you on? How many hours are you off? He says, I haven't eaten in eight days. I said, I beg your pardon? He says, I haven't eaten in eight days. I've been, it's an eight day fast so far. I'm going to nine days. I said, why in the world would you do that? So he said, uh, no, no, it's, it's good for you. Uh, look it up. Uh, the 70% of the cancer cells leave your body and stuff like that and whatever. And so I'm like, what? And then he goes, yeah, I'm, oh, what are you, what are you eating? So what, nothing. Well, you do you protein shake something. No, it's water, water. Just, just, yeah, just 
uh, electrolytes, water, whatever. Just out, you know. So I went home. I told my wife. I said, George Lorax, he's on an eight-day fast. She looks at me. She goes, you're so stupid, Tony. Nobody does a fasting for eight days. I said, sweetie, I swear to you, he's doing an eight-day fast. And she goes, Tony, he probably purees his food. So I said, hey, well, I'm calling him right now. I'm telling you. So I put him on speakerphone. I said, George, my wife and I were driving around. You're on speakerphone. George, what have you eaten in the last eight days? Nothing. You pureed any food? No. You're doing an eight-day fast, correct? Yes. So what's the only thing you're having? Water. Anything else? No, only water. No food? No. No puree? No nothing? No. I look at my wife. We hang up the phone. My wife says, I, I hope you're never going to do that, she says to me. I said, me? How do you want me to do an eight-day fast? I'm thinking about food 24 hours a day. So anyway. <laughs> Dude, I don't, know, I don't think I could do it. Well, eight hours when I'm sleeping, but yeah, I'm not a big so faster. I just eat healthy. Of, there's a good for you. By the way, you look healthy, man. What do you eat? You know what, buddy? Well, hey, I'm lucky. My wife's really cooked, but we eat a lot of fruit and vegetables and uh, you know, a lot of meat. Now, my my wife and I do have a sweet tooth. That's our thing. But I have yeah. a nine-year-old son, so I'm, I'm active. I'm coaching him in hockey and ball hockey, so I'm moving around. But sweet I tooth. eat healthy breakfast all the time. I just We've really got away from most processed food. That's the big thing. Good for, look, listen, you look great. You sound great. I'm happy to catch up with you. I hope we could talk more often. Like you said, when, you know, when I was doing radio and you're still kicking at it, uh, we used to have, you know, we used to go on each other's shows all the time. So it's been a while. Thanks for coming on the sick podcast. I appreciate it, buddy. Anytime, Tony, have a good one. Enjoy all the right. draft. There you have it. Jason Greger, 1260 AM out of Edmonton and the daily faceoff.com and the daily faceoff podcast with Frank Seller Valley. Uh, what a guy, real good guy. Always like Jason a lot. All right. If you like the podcast, like it, share it with your friends and comment sick S I C K S I C K S I C K. I also want to give a special shout out, uh, to the boys and girls over at Collège Francais. They had their, uh, annual awards for the student athletes earlier this evening. And I had the pleasure, uh, honor and privilege of being the MC for the event. And um, you know what? When it was all said and done, and it went for about two hours, and that's why you know, I thought I was going to lose my voice. I didn't think I was going to have a voice left. But um, this is how we ended the award ceremony tonight. Look at this. There you have it uh, in Brassard at uh, Le Théâtre de l'Étoile in the Cartier d'Estrand. Uh, 900 people chanting sick. You've got to start somewhere. Uh, and here's hoping that 900 is going to be 9,000. And 9,000 is going to end up being 90,000. It's going to end up being 900,000 at one point. I would settle with uh, 900,000 people like a yeah, 900,000 people, um, 900,000 subscribers on YouTube would be nice. It would really, really be nice. Sick has taken over. We even infiltrated the South Shore now. We're taking over. We're taking over Montreal. We're taking over Quebec. We're taking over Canada. If you enjoy the Sick Podcast on Google, Apple, Spotify, leave us a five-star review. It's our way of feeling the love. We'll be back tomorrow night, same time, same place. 
And uh, most likely with George Larac, who's a regular contributor on Thursday, and we'll probably add someone else to the mix. For Agnello and Sammy and Master Control, they're Cavallaro. I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature.